Harmony in the Workplace sounds like something from a Hallmark movie. Uh, Definitely nice to have, but really? (laughs) Isn't there always someone who's not pulling their weight or rocking the boat? Well, today's guest says it's all about leadership. And when we come back, he'll share some tips on how to achieve more harmony in the workplace. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelschner, and today I'm delighted to welcome back to the show, Stephen Howard. Stephen is the award-winning author of numerous leadership, business, and motivational books who specializes in creating and delivering leadership development curriculum for frontline leaders, mid-level leaders, and high-potential leaders through his firm, Caliente Leadership. The last time he joined us, we chatted about how stress causes a system overload and impacts your problem solving. Now, today, we're going to talk about his new book that takes an interesting twist on leadership. It's called Humany Leadership, Mindsets, Skills, and Behaviors for a Successful People-Centric Leader. Now, humany is a word he's coined that he says combines humanity and harmony to emphasize the need for leaders to create workplaces of well-being and harmony. So let's find out what we've been missing all these years. Welcome back to Business Confidential Now, Stephen. Thank you very much, Hannah. I appreciate you having me back again. Well, it's good to have you back. So what's up with humany, huh? I mean, when it comes to harmony in the workplace, why did you jam humanity and harmony into one word? What is it? Well, people scoff at the idea of harmony in the workplace. And I talk to people and I ask them, do you have any harmony in your workplace? They kind of laugh at me and go, what do you mean? So, so I sort of took the approach that maybe that's what we need. We need more harmony in our lives. Uh, I don't believe there's such a thing as work-life balance. In, in today's world, let's look for work-life harmony. What works for me, what harmonizes my life would be different than you, different than members of your audience. So if we can get harmony in our lives, we'll be a lot better off. So let's get harmony in our lives and harmony in the workplace. Okay. Well, some people might think, hey, that means having some music on, right? Well, you ha- how do we achieve I, that? I, I now, I, I, I'm going to visualize a Hallmark film from now on. It's like <laughs> black and white film. It's a nice background. <laughs> you you <laughs> but, got that um, image now, right? You know, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do have that image. It's absolutely, absolutely. It was locked in my head now all of a sudden. But, uh, <laughs> you know, harmony is about, if you think about it, Think about flow. When things are flowing for you individually, things are happening, you kind of lose track of time, everything's in sync together. And then think about a workplace where a team is is in flow. And the same kind of thing happens. People are innovating. They're bouncing ideas off of each other. There's camaraderie. There's a desire to create something new going forward. And that's really what harmony is all about. It's It's the ability to collaborate cooperatively. So much collaboration, the workforce is forced. It says, okay, you, you, and you go go form this team together and and this is the result i want well harmony would be a bit different it'd be say who wants to work on this project and and the goal is to create something you know big vision here and how you do it how you come back i'm gonna leave it up to the team that would be a harmonized workplace interesting so why do you feel it's more important to emphasize harmony in the workplace today, especially when more people are working remotely than ever before? It's not like they're huddled around a you know, conference table as much. 
Well, because I think you have you can harmonize even with remote workers. I mean, the people still have to collaborate, even when they're working remotely or in a hybrid situation or anything like that. And the ability—if you don't—if you don't—if you leave it like it is, people just ignore emails. They'll just ignore the request to do something. They'll pretend they're busy. They, they won't respond to an email. They, they'll show up at a team meeting online and just sit there quietly and hope nobody bothers them. And that's not going to get any—that's not going to do anybody good. I think people are looking for more in, in in life these days, and you know, purpose. And if if you had a, uh, an operation, a team working, functioning on all cylinders, so to speak, I think people would be more willing to jump in and participate and collaborate and share their ideas. What happens, unfortunately, in many workplaces today is people reluctantly get put together onto a team, and they don't speak up. They don't share their best thoughts. They don't share their best ideas. They're afraid of being ridiculed. They're afraid of being put down, or even worse, they're afraid their boss might steal their best idea and claim it for themselves. But, uh, we need to change our attitudes about functioning in the workplace. And I think harmony is a good word for it. Well, I agree that harmony is a lovely word. It really is. But you just put your finger on, I don't know, three or four hot buttons in that last comment that you just made about, you know, the reason people aren't sharing and, you know, fear that the boss is going to steal their idea and so on and so forth. So, like, <laughs> how do we break this this bottleneck and get more harmony in the workplace? Well, that's why the book, it's, it's called Humaning Leadership, and it starts in leadership. It has, but leaders have to change their attitudes. I mean, one attitude that, you know, I say this frequently now is that managing people is a 1980s construct. It's no longer applicable today. It's no longer relevant in today's world. It, it's why people lead bosses, not just organizations. I mean, nobody wakes up in the morning and wants to be managed by their boss, particularly micromanaged. They want to be led. They want to be motivated. They want to be inspired. And, and so I think, as I often say, I mean, my favorite philosopher is Yoda. And Yoda says we have to unlearn what we've learned. And I say that managers or leaders need to unlearn management and really relearn how to be human and, and treat people as human beings in the workplace. People are not employees. They're not workers. They're not, they're not assets. They're not human resources. They're human beings. And if we, if leaders would treat them like that, then you're going to get innovation. You're going to get um, cooperation from people because you're treating them as human beings. So that's why the word humany combines you know, human, humanity, and harmony. Right. So what do we need to learn? Unlearn, Yoda. <laughs> well, unlearn management. I mean, you know, you manage things, you manage processes, you manage policies, you manage procedures, you manage projects. But you don't manage people, you lead people. And that's a mindset change. And it, it's a, a very important mindset change that leaders have to have to get their head around, quite frankly. And if they do, then they're going to be better off. If they don't, if they revert to the way people have been leading for the last 15, 20 years, then you're going to see people just not participate. You're going to see more and more people starting their own companies, people dropping out of the workforce, people deciding that it's not worth it. I'm not going to go back to a toxic workplace where I have a, a boss who bullies me, where I have peers who ridicule me, who laugh at my ideas. It's just not worth it anymore. So it it's really is a, a mindset change. And part of that mindset change is the realization that the war for talent is over. And quite frankly, talent won. People have too many options out there. As you say, so many people working from home. Um, I read a report just the other day that 40% of people looking for jobs in today's environment 
um, are looking for jobs that include at least partial, if not full, working from home or hybrid type solutions. People don't want to go into a workplace where it's toxic, where they have problems with their the peers and the colleagues and, and no one's friendly to each other. So that's why I say we need to bring humanity back in the workplace and we need to bring harmony back in the workplace. Okay. Well, let's drill down a little bit more on, on that, Stephen, about harmony in the workplace. And, you know, what two or three things specifically could leaders or managers trying to get out of this manage mode? Because I personally think that managers and leaders, their, their responsibilities overlap. But let's, let's put it in leadership terms. But two or three things mm-hmm. that someone in a position of authority could start doing that could shift the course of the organizational culture to promote more harmony in the workplace? A great question, Hannah, and there's probably six or seven things, but if I try to focus on three, the three things that jump off the top of my mind is be vulnerable. It's okay to be vulnerable in today's world. You don't have to have all the answers as a leader or as a manager. It's okay to share your concerns and, you know, the um, to go and say, I don't have all the answers. Here's what I know today based on what I know today, this is the direction we're going to go. But as soon as we have more information, we may change direction. Being, you know, being open and honest and transparent with people instead of trying to pull the wool over their eyes. Uh, and combine that with emotional intelligence. I think emotional intelligence is going to be one of the most important skills uh, for leaders and managers going forward. And, you know, again, if we go back 10 years or 15 years ago, I know a lot of managers would say to me things along the lines of, I don't want to look weak. I don't want to appear, you know, if I show my emotional side, I'll appear weak in front of my people. I don't think that's true anymore. I think, again, that's a huge mindset change. And probably the third area is to understand that ambiguity and uncertainty is going to be with us for many years to come. We have to plan for uncertainty. We have to plan for ambiguity. And that's why we can't have all the answers today. I I would suggest that a concept I'm coaching people on right now is a concept I call preemptive adaptability. So plan A and plan B won't work anymore. I, I think we have to have plan A. Plan B, 1, and 2, and maybe even plan C, 1, 2, and 3. And we will know that if something were to happen, it will trigger plan B, 2. If something else happens, it will trigger plan C, 1. So we we plan for change instead of reacting for change going forward. So I think those would be the three biggest things that will bring a better workplace, a better working environment where people are – just the people are able to, again, cooperate and focus together, work together in in a direction set by the leaders. I hope that all makes sense. That's kind of a long answer to a very good question. Well, I appreciate that. It's, I don't want to say complicated, but there's lots of nooks and crannies to it, shall we say. And you picked my curiosity about emotional intelligence. Tell me more about what you mean by that, because I'm sure there's some people listening that think, oh, hey, I'm smart. You know, I got this. What do, what do you mean by that? 
Well, emotional challenges, you go back to Daniel Goleman's book many years ago, and he, he talked about four aspects. So, you know, emotional intelligence is not about, it's not controlling your emotions, controlling how you express your emotions. It's not trying to stop your emotions. We all, have the, we all have the right to our emotions. We have the right to be angry. Somebody does something in the workplace or in our personal lives, and it's upsetting to us. We have a right to be angry. Emotional intelligence is how you express that anger. You, you, if you turn to somebody and say, you know, when you say that, it upsets me for this reason. Or when you say that, it makes me lose confidence in myself. And then I get angry at myself for losing that confidence. That's one way of expressing your anger. Taking a coffee cup and throwing it across the room or slamming a table or desk and calling somebody an idiot. That's another way of expressing anger. But I would suggest the first version is a lot more intelligent, particularly for the workplace than the second, the second example there. So that's, that's really what we talk about emotional intelligence. It's interesting that a, a study of 44 Fortune 500 companies just a year ago showed that even salespeople who had high emotional intelligence, they actually produced twice the revenue of those with average or below EQ scores or EQs known for emotional intelligence. So even in a, a, a field such as sales, not even leadership, but even sales, emotional intelligence can be quite an asset to have. Understood. So in tackling this, because, you know, you talk about management being this, you know, antiquated construct and leaders needing to shift their focus and have a little bit more of a growth mindset in adapting in order to promote more harmony in the workplace. Out of all of the things that you've seen in your experience, what do you think are the most critical problems facing them? Oh, the most critical problems facing right now, I think, is that leaders are uncomfortable. They don't know how to change. In particular, I'm talking about leaders. Most leaders in the workplace today are either baby boomers or Generation X. And it's interesting that the American Psychological Association calls Generation X the most stressful generation in history. And yet they're the ones who are going to be leading us going forward in the future. So we have very stressed out leaders trying to lead a very stressed out workforce. So I think that that's one of the key aspects of it. I think the other is probably what we've sort of been talking about here is that so many leaders feel that they have to manage. They have to manage people. They have to overlook them. They have to have their fingers on them at all times. They have to micromanage them. And yet that's not what the workforce wants, particularly our younger workforce. They want they want to be empowered. They want to be challenged. Uh, they want to be led. They want to be motivated. And, and most importantly, they want to grow. They want to grow both professionally and personally. And so many organizations in recent years have slashed their training and development budgets um, to you know just keep their cash flow going. And as a result, so many people are saying, you know, I don't want to work at this company anymore. I, I, I'm not, I'm not growing here. This company's not investing in me. And interestingly, the younger generation is less concerned about title. I mean, people of my generation, I'm a baby boomer. We, you know, we always want to be promoted. We want to go from assistant manager to manager to senior manager, for instance. And, and, and our titles were part of our ego, part of what we, the way we approach the world, so to speak. Younger generation doesn't care about the titles. They want to know that they're growing. They're learning new skills. They're, they're learning new ways of operating. They're learning to think um, better. And I think so those are two areas that leaders have to, again, change a little bit. Otherwise, look, you can still be the old-style leader, 
and be very successful for maybe the next year, 18 months, two years, but it won't last long term. If you want to build a sustainable business today and you want to have a sustainable career, you're going to have to change your leadership style. I think that, and that's one of the key focuses that I talk about in the book. It's it's critical for the individual and for the organization to make these changes and to make them rather quickly. Well, I appreciate that there's a sense of urgency simply because the different generations like the boomers are are retiring in in greater numbers. You know, they're going to be aging out. It's just a Mm -hmm. fact of life. And, you know, other workforce cohorts will have different needs, different requirements. But you know, what's it really going to take for whether they're, you know, boomers in senior management or Gen X in senior management? What is it going to take to get them to change their mindset when for decades they actually they've built careers on being a certain way? Now, all of that's just going to be thrown out the window because we want to do it this way. Now, I mean, I'm being a little facetious here and I realize that, but I want to push you on this point because, you know, people changing habits is hard. And, you know, what's in it for them besides, well, yeah, well, this this is going to be a wonderful Hallmark ending. Well, what's in it for them will be their careers. And I actually say that in the book. I mean, even even if you're a leader in an organization where your organization doesn't change, if you change, and this is evolutionary, right? no one's going to read the book and change in, the, in 30 days after reading the book. But as they read it and as they read the book, or is, is more and more people get exposed to this concept, even if you're a department head and you change your department, or even if you're a team leader and you change your your team, a couple of things are going to happen. Your your employee attrition will be lower than the rest of the organization. The innovation and creativity that happens within the unit that you lead will go up and will increase, and that's extremely important requirement for organizations today is innovation and creativity. So, and, and as a result, you'll be identified either within your organization as a strong leader, or quite honestly, you may be, you may be identified by the workplace as a strong leader and you're going to get headhunted. So the organizations where leaders are doing this, unfortunately, not only are they going to lose the workforce, the employees, but they're also going to lose their strong leaders if, if the organization doesn't change as well. So there's a lot of them, what I would call what's in it for me for the leaders to make these changes. One will be their short-term results, and second will be the chemistry within the team, which produces those results. And the third will be, quite honestly, their own career path. All right. But it still sounds like it's a leap of faith to get them to start doing it before they can reap the benefits. It will be a leap of faith in some regards. On the other hand, it will also be hard-nosed numbers because as, as you see so many organizations today not meeting the numbers, and, you know, people are going to blame the recession. They're going to blame inflation. They're gonna, you know, there's always an excuse for why thing results are not being produced. But if you sat there, you, you read the book, you read, you understand the concept, you really look at it, a lot of it's going to be, quite frankly, the way we're leading people. And, he, and here's the crux of it, Hannah. A survey last year, so in 2021, of CEOs from around the world show that the CEOs themselves feel that 50% of their revenues in five years, so 50% of their revenues in 2027, are likely to come from products and services that they do not offer today. So that requires innovation. It's going to require creativity. It's going to require 
adaptation to changing commercial environments and, and robust economies. These innovation creativity is not going to be brought forth by artificial intelligence. You're not going to find it in the metaverse. You're not going to find it by outdated leadership mantras and mindset. Only an, an empowered and a motivated human workforce will create these new products and services of the future. So quite frankly, being fundamentally human and people-centric as a leader has never been more essential in the workplace because that's the environment that we're living in today. And people are going to realize that when outdated ways of working results in two things. It results in a lack of goal achievement and it results in higher employee attrition. And so it will be a leap of faith, no doubt about it, but it can be a leap of faith based on the fact that what I'm currently doing today as a leader is not working. Very good. And in order to achieve all that innovation and get those new products and services, you definitely need more harmony in the workplace. So thank you, Stephen. I really appreciate your time. I know I gave you maybe a little hard time, but I think it was important in order to get a, a better understanding and a grasp of you know this concept, why it's so critical, and how the workforce is changing and leadership needs to adapt in order to bring forth the best of the employees that they do have. So I appreciate your, you know, putting together humany, what it means and steps we can take to achieve it. Now, if you're listening and you'd like more information about Stephen Howard and his impressive body of leadership work, that information can be found in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. Please be sure to tell your business friends about the show and leave a positive review because the more you dive into all of our past episodes and follow the show, the more you'll be able to see issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line and use those tips and strategies to grow your company and be prosperous. So thanks so much for listening to Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelschner. Have a great day and an even better tomorrow. Tomorrow.